founders of ways the podcast that celebrates entrepreneurship and career independence today we're joined by the wonderful lauren simonis as she shares her experience running not just one but two different businesses as an expat in portugal so join us as we explore which of the hundreds of ways belongs to lauren hey james good evening good morning elliot how are you doing great how about you I am also great because today we have a guest, Lauren Simonis. Welcome. Hey, guys. We're super excited to have Lauren on today, and not just because it gives our listeners a chance to hear someone other than Elliot and I speak, but because Lauren has a fantastic story. Lauren, could you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. Um, wow. So hard thing to summarize, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> T- ten words. That's it. That's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> No, let's just start off with uh, where you are and uh, and what you do. All right. Well, I am uh, from originally from the U.S., but I live now in Porto, Portugal, um, and I have two businesses. Um, one of them is coaching for entrepreneurs, and the second one is uh, running a yoga studio here in Porto. It's you've said you've been living over there for a couple of years, so you've been running those businesses since you lived in Portugal. Gosh, no. Um, yeah, so I, when I first moved here, um, I was working for a nonprofit um, out of Tucson, Arizona, where I lived. Um, and we did work in Malawi in uh, Southeast Africa. And I was doing wow. some entrepreneurship coaching through there uh, with them. And I really enjoyed it. But just kind of through transitions and life changes and all that, um, I eventually ended up switching over. And it was really only when I got here that, uh, that I started getting more interested in teaching yoga as well. So both of those are kind of new to this place and this time in my life. What sort of work were you doing in, in Malawi? So I worked for a nonprofit called the Flame Tree Initiative. And uh, we did entrepreneurship trainings through universities there. So we would wow. invite um, not just entrepreneurs, but people who had social entrepreneurships. Um, or businesses with some sort of some sort of social direction to them, and um, yeah, it was great. I got to work with some really inspiring people who were tackling poverty from a business perspective, yeah. um, which uh, yeah, I don't know, was a really cool and interesting thing to do. I met a lot of incredible people there, um, good friends that I still keep in touch with now. Very cool. How did you get connected with that? That seems, I mean, so you're in Arizona at the time. And obviously, Malawi is a little bit of a distance away. So, so what's that story? Um, yeah, so I actually got connected through that through my master's degree, which is in international development. My program director uh, for that master's program, uh, this is his nonprofit. And so, uh, actually, it was my last semester of that degree program. And I didn't really know what I was going to be doing or where I was going to be working, but I knew I was really interested in what he was doing. So I kind of sat him down and it was really just him and an idea at the time. He'd done a couple of, um, of testing programs and things like that. And he was trying to get it off the ground mostly by himself, really with a team of, um, advisors around him. And so I sat him down one day and I said, Hey, you know, if I can help you get some funding for this organization, would you use that funding funding to hire me? And uh, <laughs> lo and behold, I worked for him for about four years. Perfect. Sometimes you have to make your own job, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. 
That's uh, on your website. It says that you've worn, you know, a couple of different hats. And I know working in an environment like that, just from my own previous experience, you are often executing on so many different roles. What was your kind of day to day like? What What were you doing there on a daily basis while you were based out of Arizona? Oh gosh, um, yeah, different hats. That's really the one of the places I gained the most of them, I suppose. Um, for most of the time that I was working with the Flame Tree Initiative, it was just me and my boss, Wayne. Um, we had another girl who was great who started working there just a few hours a week. Um, and it was nice to have a third person to kind of bounce ideas and throw different tasks around with. But for the most part, I was running the administrative side of the organization. So doing all of our social media, newsletters, promotion, um, running payroll, kind of all of that really nitty gritty <laughs> stuff. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I was running a lot of our programming as well. So I wrote the curriculum for our entrepreneurship training program. Um, I executed most of that curriculum um, and coordinated all of our teachers that we had coming in to help with that as well. Um, I set up a lot of our, our trip planning. So anytime we were in Malawi, I was booking hotels, um, making sure we had the rooms available for the teaching that we needed, and then running our online training too. So, um, yeah, there was a couple of different things going on, but, uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. I'm really suited to ha- kind of having my hands in a bunch of different pots at once. So this sounds like the, one of the perfect examples of like the pros and cons of entrepreneurship startups, all that stuff where on the one hand you get to do all this diverse, interesting stuff. Some days you're going to be writing copies. Some days you're going to be traveling to Malloy. Um, but then other days you have to book hotel rooms and other days you have <laughs> yeah. to, you know, so it's, it's, there's always a, sometimes you're going to have to do your own books and that's part of it, but that's so cool that you've got that experience that you've been able to do all those different things. Yeah. I have to say it's been really helpful in all the stuff that I've done since then. And particularly when it comes to coaching entrepreneurs, um, you know, just letting people know that there are so many tools out there to help you get this stuff done. It's not like it was 20 years ago without the internet. The internet is full of incredible things to help you, you know, build a website or do your own accounting or whatever. If you need it, it's there. So it's, it takes work, but it's there if you need it. So. Well, that's a that's a perfect segue into, I mean, there are so many people who are wanting to start their own business but aren't sure where to start. So you were, at the time, working for somebody else, and then when you moved over to Portugal, it sounded like you were still in that role. Is that correct? I was, yeah, for about a year or so. And then that, arguably, experience gave you a lot of the foundational building blocks to launch your own business, it sounds like. Can you kind of walk us through that process and uh, what that was like moving over to Portugal and then transitioning from being employed to being the employer, more or less? Yeah, um, it's a difficult process um, emotionally, I should say. Um, For me, it was at least. And that's a big component of what my coaching services are now is helping people through that kind of emotional jump from being employed to being, yeah, from being employed to being uh, employed by yourself. Um, And I have to say that I always tell my clients that whatever um, fears you have, just find, find a way to address them, find whatever crutch you need, even if it's not real. Um, so for me, my crutch was being afraid. I knew that I had the background to do it. I knew that I had the skills, 
but I was afraid to put myself on a platform and say, I have these skills, come see me and me alone. Um, so kind of like having that imposter syndrome almost is something that comes up all the time for me, at least is like, why am I the one who's qualified? Even though, you know, you have the skills engaging and actually executing can be so, um, challenging. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Um, so yeah, my, my crutch in that situation was, um, harassing my poor husband into putting his name on the business too. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you call them, I call it a crutch. Um, I call them safety blankets. Um, And, and, you know, one of the things that you hear a lot in, in kind of entrepreneurship literature community, whatever you want to call it is, oh, you know, you don't need business cards. You don't need a website. You don't need all these things. And I agree, you don't need them. But if having a killer business card is going to make you feel like you're an entrepreneur and that's, and that's the thing, go get them. You know, what, whatever that safety blanket is, if that's the thing that's going to help you make that step, it's, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. If your alternative is just staying with a job that you're miserable with and writing that out longer rather than, you know, giving yourself whatever the sense of security is, then right. yeah, do the, do the secure thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Feel safe. It's, you're going to feel unsafe a lot in this. So if you can feel safe a bit, that's great. Exactly. So really quick, before we dive into what you're actually doing right now and kind of uh, expand on that a little bit more, I think I, I, I still want to go back to that that move. You said it was uh, emotionally challenging. There was a lot involved in it. Uh, can you can you expand on that a little bit more and just uh, share like kind of some of the resources that you use to navigate that change, both uh, through location and your job? Sure. Yeah. Um... So I think a big part of the emotional and maybe even logistical component of it was um, fighting. And I really appreciated this about your podcast. You guys talk about the word passion like it's a bad word. Um, (laughs) And I love that because that was part of my challenge was like, well, I know the things that I love doing. But one, monetizing that is challenging. And two, I don't know that I want to monetize it because when you start taking the thing that you love and you turn it into a business, suddenly it becomes work. Um, And I didn't want to be working at the thing that I really love doing. Uh, So, and I also had this huge list of things that I was really good at. I shouldn't say it was gigantic list, let me tell you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, by the time... I worked in so many different areas in my life um, from, you know, like I've done youth leadership training. I've worked in nonprofits. I've worked in medical offices. I've done like so I've done so many different things. Um, So I kind of I knew what I could do, um, but limiting it down to the things that I actually wanted to do was a whole different set of challenges. And it took a lot of um, journaling, a lot of self-reflection. Um, a lot of trial and error. When I first started out, I was offering a lot of things that I would never consider offering now. Um, it's just, it's not worth the time or the headache or the energy for me. Um, even though technically, yes, it's something I can make money off of. Um, so yeah, that emotional challenge was one, taking that leap on my own, um, which took a while. It took (laughs) harassing my husband into putting his name on the website at first. Um, and then, yeah, it took, it took a lot of figuring out, kind of whittling down what's good and what's not good. And also, I think, finding the recognition that those things are, are transitory. So, uh, you know, I'm a very different person than I was when I first started doing all of this. 
even just two, three years ago. And so my services have changed a lot since then. And I really sincerely hope that two, three years from now, I'll be doing something just a little bit different as well. Um, I think we change and we grow a lot over time. And so that's um, another thing I try to bring into my coaching is, you know, building that flexibility in for yourself to, to make new decisions and find new paths. I love that you talked about the trial and error. Was there anything that you didn't think that you could do that you were surprised came out of this kind of uh, experimentation process? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that surprised me the most is that um, online coaching for me was no big deal because there's no startup cost involved. You literally just have an internet connection and a computer and you find someone who for some reason wants to listen to your advice um, and you get started. But um, the thing that really surprised me was my willingness to do this, this actually like in-person location-based yoga studio where, you know, we signed a lease and um, had to put all this investment into renovations and furniture and all these like tangible items that I had never thought I would invest in before. So um, that was definitely a, a big shock for me. I never saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, they're totally different kinds of businesses, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So Lauren, can you tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day is like in running the yoga studio? Are you there Monday through Friday, nine to five, or what does your schedule look like? Uh, No, I'm not actually. And that's one of the things I love about it. Um, Part of my kind of journey to understand what I wanted to do with my business was also understanding a lot more about what I wanted my day-to-day life to look like. Um, I mean, much more so than what I'm doing. I want to know what what my free time allows me to do, what my work time allows me to do, and what kind of balance that creates for me emotionally as a person. Um, So the yoga studio um, is actually a bit less work than I thought it was going to be, shockingly. Um, And I think I've gotten quite lucky there. I also have a business partner um, with the name of the yoga studio is Cozy. Um, So I started Cozy with a friend of mine who already owns a fly yoga studio here in the city. And, um, yeah, so between the two of us, I'm, I'm there to teach classes three days a week. Um, and other than that, I do a lot of logistical stuff from home because most of my other business, of course, is run from home. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's it's been a little bit less work than I imagined, but it's still, it's stuff that I enjoy. And I think that's part of my perspective on it being, not a lot of work is that, you know, I, I enjoy talking to my students. And when they contact me with questions or to schedule classes, um, it doesn't feel like, like work. I don't know if that quite answers your question, but no, it certainly does. And so from my perspective, I'm thinking you started the studio in what, 2017? No, uh, just this January, actually, right before quarantine hit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's January, January of 2020. You're in a foreign country. You're familiar with it. It's home now. You've lived there for quite some time, but you're starting a brand new business. What is the process of just getting the word out and getting new clients in the door and new, you know, students is, I guess, the word I should use. Um, How does one go about that as being a small business owner in your situation? So um, we lucked out a bit because uh, my business partner with the Fly Studio, I had already been teaching um, like more mat based yoga at her studio. And so a lot of our students from there followed us over, um, which we were really grateful for. Um, and part of that was just keeping the location convenient. So we opened a new place just about two blocks away from, 
um, where the fly studio is now. So they didn't have to change their lifestyle around too much. Um, other than that, a big change has been having a front door that faces the street. So we have like a big window front <laughs> and it sounds, it's location, location, exactly. location. <laughs> It sounds like uh, like maybe something you could overlook, but uh, the other studio is up a flight of stairs and there's not really a, any opportunity for signage out front. Um, so the number of people we've gotten just walking past and, you know, looking and seeing our website and our social media links on the window, uh, that's really been very helpful. Um, and then, of course, just the usual online social media promotion, things like that. So this is something that Elliot and I have touched on in other episodes, but one of the things that, that can be super helpful that you just talked about um, when you're starting a new business is figuring out a way to kind of sideload that business from something else that you're doing. Mm-hmm. So for you guys, you know, you had this connection to this existing studio and you were able to kind of preload those customers in. Um, how is that process different than from, from your coaching business? Did you do something similar there or, or was that clean slate from day one? Uh, that was definitely clean slate, but I had a transition period. So I started that coaching business, um, while I was still working for the flame tree initiative. So I kind of, it, it, I took whatever free time I had and it, of course it was busy for a period of time. Um, but it allowed me to kind of get my feet underneath me to the point where, you know, I could write out a budget and say, okay, this is how much I need to make off this business every month in order to make ends meet. And, um, and yeah, from there it went pretty smoothly, but there definitely was that probably six month transition period of making sure I still had income coming in. Were you guys in the States at the time when you made that transition or were you already in Portugal? No, I'd been in Portugal for about two years. So through the process of opening the business, what was something you didn't expect? And, uh, obviously we're recording this mid COVID-19. So that would be probably the first thing. Any, on the any list, current but... events that are, <laughs> uh, more around just like the logistics or process or people or whatever it might be in opening the business and getting it off the ground. What was something you didn't expect? And maybe what was like a triumph in, uh, doing so? Um, I think the biggest thing for me has been recognizing that you don't have to have one career, um, even one career at a time. Uh, for me, I've always been, you know, I, I think a lot of us were raised with this mentality, um, that you, you know, you graduate college, you get a job, you work for the same company or at least similar companies for your entire career. They give you, you know, some nice benefits package and then you retire and grow old. And so for a long time, I was trying to fit myself into this box and every two, three years I get really bored with whatever I was doing, even if it was really interesting at first, um, eventually I would get tired and burnt out. And for me, just doing the same thing nine to five every day, even if the tasks are varied, um, it's very trying. So, um, it was really a revelation when I realized I could do a lot of very different, very small things. And that's given me a lot of freedom. Um, one to, to have that ability to kind of move between different tasks on a daily or even weekly basis. Um, and then the second thing is if one thing isn't working, I can drop it and find another way to replace it. And I have those other income streams coming in and it allows me to do that. So um, I guess that ability to, to multitask and play around in different careers at the same time has been uh, really enjoyable, really fun for me. And that adaptability has never been more useful than this year, right? So, so you guys started this studio in January, um, and then obviously come March, um, you have a big challenge hit you. How did you guys handle Corona? 
Um, yeah, I mean, thankfully, as you mentioned, I was able to keep the online coaching mostly going. Of course, people's lives changed and their income streams changed and, um, coaching is always an, an extra. Um, but I, I mean, my, I still had income, my husband still had income coming in. And so the studio, we, because I think of my background and my partner's background, we kind of knew that we had some opportunities here and our students have since commended us and noted that um, we were one of the first studios in the city, at least here, to get things up and going online. So we closed on a Thursday, our last class of the week, and by Monday we had our entire online program launched. So um, we, we taught the entire time online, the somewhere ranging between, I think, five and 11 classes a week, depending on demand. Um, and it, I mean, it wasn't the same as having our students in class at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I think it kept a lot of us going, um, students and teachers. We, we needed that, that social connection. We needed that chance to stay connected um, with our bodies to be doing something physical, even if we were constrained by location. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a big kind of pivot for us. And like I said, thank goodness, I kind of have a, a range of experience with all these online tools because it was kind of second nature to me to just, you know, pick up zoom, launch all the classes and figure out how to distribute them to the students and stay order, orderly and organized with all of it. Yeah. You, you didn't have a whole new set of skills you had to teach yourself, right? Because you've worn all these hats. So, you know, you had this kind of just ready to go. That's, that's so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very lucky for that reason. Very lucky. Do you think you guys will keep up the online component as, you know, things lift up more and more, open back up? What are you, what are your plans there? Yeah. I, you know, I don't think we ever saw this being a part of our lives, (laughs) Uh, but I, what the COVID-19 has given us, um, and I think it's important to look at both what it what it's taken away and what it's given. Um, and what it's given to us is an awareness that we have people all over the world that have been interested in our classes. So we've had students joining, whether they're, you know, my friends and family from the States or students that we used to have that have since moved. Um, so now we have, let's see, we have students in the States, uh, Spain, Germany, Brazil, um, France, just kind of all over. And it's been really fun and exciting to keep in touch and, and reconnect with some of those students that have, have since moved on with their lives. Yeah, what a great way to connect with people around the world. I mean, sitting in front of a camera and doing yoga together, that's so cool. Exactly. Yeah, and it's so easy. We just set the computer up in the studio and turn everything on and get going. Before we uh, transition over to talking about your move, I really wanted to kind of quickly double back to when you talked about that lifestyle design element and you did a lot of conscious thinking about what you wanted that lifestyle to look like. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about what this has enabled for you in terms of lifestyle that it's allowed you to do that maybe a traditional nine to five job wouldn't have? Yeah. So I think, um, gosh, that had to have been five or six years ago now. Um, I started thinking about, you know, what's my next step? Uh, in fact, when I got hired on to work at the Flame Tree Initiative, one of the board members sat me down and said, we know this is not going to be the career you, you end on. So what do you want to do next and how can we help you get there? And I have to say that was a really pivotal moment for me, uh, was having someone actually ask me that question <laughs> as I was starting a new job. <laughs> What a great mentor to have. Really? Way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be forever thankful to him. Thanks, John Saints. 
Uh, <laughs> so that kind of kind of kicked me off. And so a few years later, when I was getting first starting to get that itch of like, where do I want to go next? Um, I just sat down one day in front of a journal and asked myself, okay, what do I want my, my work day to look like? And so I wrote it out in perfect detail. Like I get up at this time, I go to this place. Um, these are the kind of people I surround myself with. Um, and really just laying out. And of course it never looked, as I mentioned, it never looked like showing up at an office at 9am, um, taking a 30 minute lunch break and, you know, and all of those things. And that works for a lot of people, but it wasn't for me. Um, and so it started a lot with that, that kind of ideation. And then, um, I'm actually kind of shocked. I was thinking about this the other day that my day actually looks a lot like that now, (laughs) a lot like that thing that I first imagined. But, um, it, I think it, you have to recognize that everything's a process. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, but if you have the patience to kind of sit through it and to sit through the hard times as well, because man, there are hard times. I had my hard times. Um, they can get really tough and overwhelming. Uh, but if you have that vision to keep pushing forward, then I think it's possible we can get there. Beautifully stated. And uh, so important to remember, especially in that entrepreneurial path that there are so many of those challenging times they vary person to person but you're going to run into uh some challenges no doubt so really important to recognize that up front and know what you're getting Mm -hmm. into absolutely so lauren so you offer coaching services yourself but when you get to one of these tough periods when when things are stressful and 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 dark um, what are the things that you turn to 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 pull you through them um i've used kind of a mix of things um the, the term when times get dark, I'm really glad you use that because um, for me, I, I've always struggled with uh, anxiety and depression. So darkness is actually a very literal term. Um, so at times for me, that's looked like therapy. Um, at times it even looks like medication. And um, those things really help me jumpstart my life from a very personal perspective and also um, help me get a handle on, on a lot of these logistics. Um, the other thing I've stayed really close to is other friends who are entrepreneurs, um, as well as a coach that I really love and enjoy as well. So um, she's a person that I know I can always rely on when I have these big questions. Um, she helps me from the perspective that that I'm really looking for. And that's always a challenge, whether you're talking about therapy or a coach, but finding someone who's, whose perspective matches your own is so important. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to have found her. I think when you're an entrepreneur that those connections are so crucial and, and that's why we have fantastic people like you who, who are coaches and, and can help people with, with things that they might not even know or problems yet. Um, but having just someone in your corner when you are on your own is, is huge. So, and I, I just want to double down on that for a third kind of voice here. I think that was one of my biggest challenges actually getting started was not having a community of entrepreneurs around mm-hmm. me. I was, you know, surrounded by a lot of people following, quote, the conventional or traditional path. And it was hard to validate what I was doing because it always felt like it was going against the stream. It was wrong, whatever, kind of however you want to see that, but once I was introduced to that community through, you know, a variety of different ways and groups and whatnot, 
that was the first time I saw that what I could be doing was recognized as something that was a value adding thing or was actual, was an actual career path beyond just an interest that I was pursuing. So I'm so glad you brought that up because it's been really pivotal in my own career. And for everyone listening at the end of the episode, as well as in the liner notes, we, we have a, a way for you to contact Lauren. And if you're interested in, in doing this and in starting something new, changing something in your life, coaching, especially with someone like Lauren, who's so fantastic, can really be the thing that gives you that, that push out of the nest. Um, so, you know, we highly recommend it. And um, again, you know, if you want to contact Lauren, um, we'll talk about it at the end of the episode, but it's also down in the liner notes. So one of the most interesting things about you running a yoga studio is that you are running a yoga studio in Porto and you are not Portuguese. Um, I also live in Southern Europe and um, I know that the expatriation process is sometimes filled with interesting stories. So were there any challenges uh, moving from the States to Portugal? None at all. It was just paradise. (laughs) 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 Um, Oh gosh. Uh, Moving abroad. Moving abroad is a challenge. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me uh, similar questions about this over the years. Um, And I have to say, the one thing that you have to do is just commit to the fact that you're doing it. Um, And whatever's going to come your way, particularly, I mean, as you mentioned, Southern Europe brings its own challenges. Um, It also brings its own benefits. Um, And a lot of times they're they're two sides of the same coin. So um, for instance, for those of you who don't know, Southern Europe is kind of known for a lot of uh, what what we might view as meaningless bureaucracy. (laughs) (laughs) So for instance, um, when we first applied for our residency here in Portugal, uh, we showed up with all of the paperwork that we had been able to figure out that we could possibly need. And by that, I mean that there's no, at the time at least, there was no official website that said, these are the documents you need to bring based on your situation, show up and everything will be fine. Um, It was kind of a guessing game. And so we showed up and they said, well, why didn't you bring this document? (laughs) And we said, I didn't even know that document existed, but let me get that for you. Um, And so it was a lot of headache, but at the same time, they would say, okay, you have 90 business days to bring this, to bring us this new piece of paper. Um, And then you didn't know existed. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we would figure out how to get this new piece of paper and then we would bring it in and they would say, well, what about this other piece of paper? And you would say, okay, why? And so this actually, my residency went a little bit faster, but my husband's took uh, almost a full year, um, he actually received his, oh, maybe we should celebrate. We, he first received his residency um, on the 4th of July in 2017, <laughs> and we arrived on August 4th, the year before. So he had yeah. a full <laughs> 365 days nearly, and then another, like he had a month break before we had to start going back to more immigration appointments to renew the initial visa. Um, so as I mentioned, the two sides of the same coin, while there's a lot of bureaucracy, they're also, they give you a lot of time to go through things. So the process, and they're very forgiving, you know, it's not, you didn't bring this, so we're sending you home as I would imagine it probably is for, for people trying to move to the States, for instance. Um, they're very patient and they'll just, they'll keep working with you. And, and I have to say the, the government workers here in Portugal are shockingly friendly. Mm -hmm. Like we have this. Um, idea in the States, you go to the DMV and everyone there is very grumpy and rude. And you go to, you know, the courthouse and it's kind of the same thing that people don't really seem 
uh, like they really want to help you with whatever you're coming in uh, needing help with. But here, everyone's in a good mood. They have these nice, you know, decently paid government jobs, it seems, and they're taken care of. And I don't know what what exactly it is, but um, if you have to be going through a headache, at least you can have lovely, helpful people to interact with. Sure. (laughs) So emigrating can be a a huge pain, and there's always always difficulties and challenges along the way. Uh, What made it worth it for you? Um, What made it worth it was feeling like I was finally living in a place that matched who I am. Um, When I first went abroad, I was 17 years old and I was living in a really rural community in Panama for two months as a volunteer. And I remember calling my mom about halfway through the trip and saying, I'm moving here. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I already found my house in this little village. It's going to be great. There's about 100 people that live in this village and we're all going to be neighbors. It's going to be great. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. And I think ever since that moment, I had been chasing a place that felt more like home. And I'm, I'm from Tucson, Arizona, and I, I love Tucson. Um, I think it, it contributed to a lot of who I am today. Um, but I always knew that living in the States was not where I wanted to be. Um, and then coming to Portugal, it, it gave me all the excitement and the challenge and the sense of community that I think I've been looking for for a really long time. So Lauren, you talked a little bit about toward the beginning of the podcast, some of the resources that are available to freelancers, to independent and small business owners that just weren't there a decade ago. I mean, with the introduction of the internet, arguably that's one of the things that allows people to work overseas so seamlessly. You talked about getting a online yoga studio up in the course of a weekend which is something that would be unfathomable um, almost 10 years ago. And James being the technical side of this podcast, he can probably attest to that. Um, But so talk a little bit about some of those resources that you may have learned about from previous roles or that you learned about while starting your own businesses uh, in Portugal that have been really valuable to you that some of our listeners might be able to benefit from if they wanted to take on a similar venture whether that's accounting software or courses that you took or even books that you read, um, what might be a couple of resources that you'd want to share? Um, I'd say the, the first thing that comes to mind is um, a very traditional business-oriented book or entrepreneurship-oriented book that I'm sure if you've even thought for a moment about starting your own business, you've probably heard of. Uh, but it's the Lean Startup Method. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. for me, I, I my original degree, my bachelor's degree, is in English literature. So I'm very, uh, it's very second nature for me to read metaphor into just about everything. Um, <laughs> I think the lean startup method is an excellent way just to approach your life in general. Um, so it helped me with with formulating different business ideas, and it also helped me uh, when it came to moving here. Um, and it helped me, it's helped me a lot just in my personal life as well. And the primary concept of that, that I really draw from is the idea of failing forward. Um, so taking each failure, not as, you know, this be all end all of you're a terrible person and you've done something terribly wrong, but as just a data point to say, okay, well that didn't work. What do I do now? Um, so definitely the, the lean startup method, I highly recommend, 
And on that note, really quick, if I can interrupt, I think that is, for me, one of the most fun parts of entrepreneurship. Obviously not the failing, <laughs> but the figuring out what's next. I mean, to me, it's almost like a game. You, It's a strategic game where you're, you have this challenge that you need to overcome, and then there are a hundred ways to solve it, and you need to figure out what's going to work the best for you and your business. And uh, that can almost be one of the most exciting parts in in my experience. Absolutely. And to have a book, a very um, successful book, yeah. tell you that your failure is not something you should attach your personal self-worth to, is that's really a gift. So if yeah. you can detach yourself from that and really just invest in that game, man, you're set. I'll second that recommendation, especially I work a lot with startup apps, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And um, that book provides, I would argue, the the foundation of what kind of modern startup theory is. So if, if this is something you're interested in, whether it's a, a personal business or, or a, you know, a, a big name, fancy tech startup, uh, Lean Startup gives you kind of a framework for figuring out what you know, what you don't know. And, and how you bridge that gap from the first to the second. Mm. So, yeah, I, I can't second that recommendation enough. Is there, is there anything else you'd recommend? Um, so I think I could probably give you a list of about 100. <laughs> but rather than doing that, um, I'll just tell you how I found them, um, which is finding out, really recognizing what you need, which usually in the moment is not a difficult thing to do, um, and then just searching the Internet for it. Um, so for instance, there's so many free or low price, um, illustrate like illustrating tools that you can use online for social media, um, like Canva for Mm -hmm. instance. And I found Canva just by Googling like free illustration tool, whatever words come to your mind. Um, if you're looking for more organizational stuff, you can Google that. That's how I found Trello. Um, there's, you know, just all these different tools and things that are out there. And um, I think one of our fears when we start a business is looking at all of the the startup costs associated with it, um, whether that's, you know, paying for a professional website or, um, as you all mentioned, like business cards, things like that. Um, but there are ways to cut those costs down um, if you're willing to kind of play around and experiment and be on the Internet. One I'm still using today is just like a really simple color picker. So when you are um, like building a website, for instance, which I've had to do for my businesses, you want all the colors to match with your photos. (laughs) And what's the better way to do that than to take your photo, figure out what the hex codes are for the colors inside the picture and then um, and then match them up. And it's I mean, it's really just a a matter of Googling what's out there. So and there's there's never (laughs) been a better time for free tools, too. Um, I think most of the things you just mentioned are free. Canvas free. Trello's free um, as for for solo entrepreneurs or, or even small teams. You know, one, two, up to five people. A lot of these tools are, are free. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, if you put a little of time in, like you said, Google and asking people, um, you can find really, 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 really great tools that don't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. And on that topic, one of the ways that you can find these things is through a fantastic coach like Lauren. So Lauren, for anyone that's interested uh, in working with you or just might have a question about, about your, your story, uh, your experience, what, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, you can always find me on my website, laurensimonis.com. Um, all my contact information is available on there. And uh, in case you're ever in uh, Porto, which 
probably may not be happening anytime soon. <laughs> but if you do find yourself here at some point, you are always welcome at Cozy Yoga and Community, which is CozyYogaPorto.com. And we'll drop links to all of that in the liner notes, uh, all of her contact information, her site and whatnot. So um, if you want to stop by Cozy, we'll have a link to that down there too. I love it. Thank you guys both uh, so much for the time. This has been really fun and uh, great getting to learn a little bit more about your practice and get to know you, Lauren. So appreciate you. Yeah, coming thanks on for today. having me. This has been fun, guys. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, everybody. And, and to the listeners, thank you for checking in with us. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Speaking of next week, we have the illustrious Justin Poor joining us to chat about how he spent the last three years immersing himself in the world's cultures one month at a time and sharing his experiences with his 18,000 subscribers on YouTube. Until then, keep walking whichever of the hundreds of ways belongs to you.